I'm recording on Audacity. So am I. What the f*** is going on down there? Seth, guess what? I'm recording a podcast, and then secret, secret, I waited until I counted down. I have a bowl of chips I'm going to be very stealthily eating during this podcast. That's not possible. You won't hear a single thing. Um, also, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks. This is, uh, this is WTF at TFW, a Transformers podcast uh, by Transformers fans. And uh, Seth, uh, it's been it's been a day, so then we're recording on uh, on May the fifteenth. But let me just say right yeah. here, Happy Buzz Day! Oh, thanks, buddy. I hope it was uh, it's my dad's birthday today. Oh, Happy Buzz Dad Day! Buzz, Happy Buzz. Nope, I can't do it. Nope. Yeah, I was trying. Can't. I tried. Well, I hope it was a good one. Did you have a good... I mean, I'm a believer in that the birthday is kind of just the window of time around the date in question, but, you know, uh-huh. I hope that I hope you had a pretty good one. Well, I went to work. All right. <laughs> and did you just say, like, it's my birthday! Like No, every, I, uh, I didn't mention it, but uh, there's this one crazy broad. So, so, like, I work in a warehouse, but we have a store attached. And one of the people who work in the store part-time uh, is kind of a loon and I, I could live without her being around but uh, it's not up to me if she works there or not so starting last week she was like it's your birthday coming up and the year before she didn't know it was my birthday and then when she found out about a week later she like spent two days apologizing and then brought me cupcakes Aww. which she which tipped over in her car and got all smashed Aww. but like that whole time last year i kept saying like don't worry about it it's not a problem i don't make a big deal out of my birthday like it's fine you don't have to do anything she's like no i'm gonna do something like you don't have to no i'm like well please don't and uh, here's the cupcakes anyway i'm gonna blow this whole place up yeah then last week she's yeah then last week she's like oh it's your birthday coming up i remembered this time I'm like, well, great. You don't have to do anything. She goes, no, we have to do something because you have always have to do something on your birthday. I'm like, well, it's my birthday and I, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. And she goes, no, it, it's your time to be the center of attention on your birthday. I'm like, well, please don't. And then like the next day it's like, well, there's a bunch of birthdays this month. So we're just going to have treats one day. I'm like, fine like good because i don't want to be the center of attention and everything i have too much work to do at work i don't have time to be goofing around and also i just i just don't want it like just say happy birthday that's enough i'm and we're all done um then so yesterday morning i'm sitting at my desk and she's nearby and she's like oh happy birthday i'm like oh thank you and that's all that you need to do (laughs) And she's like, no, it's like, you're supposed to be the center of attention to them. I, I really don't want to be, but thank you. And then all the other girls from the store all of a sudden show up out of nowhere with a cake. 
and they all sing happy birthday. I'm like, oh my God, or thank you, everybody, thank you. And then they all go away and she's still there. And she's like, I didn't know that was going to happen. And I, and I went, neither did I. Otherwise I would have tried to talk him out of it. And she goes, Oh, that's sad. I'm like, no, (laughs) it's not sad. What would be sad is if I expected that sort of thing and it didn't happen. But the fact that I keep telling you that I don't want a big production made out of my birthday and you're insisting, and now I didn't say this, but this is like kind of the point I've been trying to make. Yeah. Like the fact that I don't want it to be a big deal and you're insisting that it has to be a big deal, then this isn't about my special day. This is about you. <laughs> so stop it. <laughs> On the bright side, and this is again just so me. Anyway. I I hate the icing part of cupcakes. This is dialing back a little bit on the story. <laughs> and I'm actually way into the idea of cupcakes that fell over once so that most of the icing is off. Because that, uh-huh. that's like the best cupcake. It's the easiest to eat. It's the best taste balance. It's, it's chef kiss. Well, then just get a muffin. I still want that little touch of icing. But no one ever does uh-huh. just a touch of icing. Oh, you want icing here? <laughs> There, have fun. <laughs> have fun eating that now. It's the eight, icing is taller than all the cake part of the cupcake. It's eight inches tall. Have fun. Yeah. Have fun. You know. <laughs> um, for me, it depends on the icing. There's some kinds of icings I don't. I don't care for. Um, like I'll take a, consistencies. I'll take a light coating of any icing because then it's a light coating. It's in the uh-huh. it's in the top bite. The only icing I'm okay with a thick dollop of because that is an icing that in and of itself is a treat is like a cream cheese based icing because uh, it's got it's got palate profile. It's got all kinds of stuff going on. But when it's just like here some some vanilla sugar squish, and I'm like that's too much. And and also it's a cupcake. I don't have anywhere to put the icing. <laughs> It's a thing I'm holding. Sigh. Well, <laughs> Seth, happy birthday. Uh, Thank that, you. That was, that's all you need to do. That was your gift. That. Was that, we're done. <laughs> we, we op- we, I gave you the five-minute opener. I passed the mic. That was. A, <laughs> I just realized I could, I could swing that as though that was a gift. So, uh, you know, I'm just saying, you can pat me on the back any time for being so clever. Um, okay, my arms aren't long enough to reach uh, you know, I'll, I'll, Canada. I'll put the IOU down. Seth, we got Masterpiece news to talk about because the what? best kind of toy news happened. It's the kind where a toy show with reveals happened and no- most everyone, including me, actually, I think, didn't know it was happening until pictures showed up. So it was a surprise. Surprise. We got, like, four new Masterpiece releases to talk about. Uh, and the first one is the expected... Uh, retool, redeco of Masterpiece Sunstreaker. I thought they were going to do him in red to reference the original car robot toy. They are instead doing him in police colors uh, to reference the other not yellow version of Sunstreaker. Makes me think the red one is still going to be popping out somewhere at like a toy show exclusive or something like that. But Masterpiece 42 is named Cordon, Cordon, uh, like kind of cordoning off the area. Uh, and, uh, he's got new pieces, uh, the fronts of his shins, instead of being smooth like the cartoon, they're greebly like the toy. Um, he's got a new toy inspired head. He's got a new gun that can, uh, I believe it's a new gun that can plug onto his wrist, either that, or he has a different thing that can plug onto his wrist like the old toy. And then most importantly, even though he has a fake chest, he not only has a light bar on top of his vehicle mode, he has a smaller light bar on his fake chest. 
which gives him the wonderful uh, accoutrement I mentioned on Twitter of having teeny tiny little light bar boobs uh, specially made for him. Um, I think this looks great. I, I like Masterpiece Sunstreaker a lot, and I'm way into a toyetic uh, retool. I really hope he comes out in red as well. Um, and, uh, you know, Corden is a neat name. Uh, Seth, how are you feeling about uh, our next uh, car masterpiece? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm wondering if they didn't do the red just because of Sunstreaker, but then Police's Prowl. They took but, a photo of him with Prowl, even. They're like, hey, look. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but then Prowl's also not a Lamborghini, mm-hmm. so I don't know what the deal is. Um, now, the fact that they did more of a toyish style head is just like another step closer to, well, they must be planning on doing the red one also, I'll, like I'll, you were saying. I'll eat a hat if they don't do the red one somewhere, yeah. even like as a limited run, I get. I, I think now most probably, but yeah. Yeah, so it's cool. Um, I usually don't get the repaints, um, but yeah, Sunstreaker is a really good masterpiece figure. So I would not blame somebody for getting it. Yeah, like if anything, I just I, I maybe wish there wasn't a second expression. Um, I think that the the sculpted face is perfect for a toy Sunstreaker face. Uh, it just would have been cool to see that face also like yelling or something. Um. Because, you know, there's the, the, the tech is in place for that kind of stuff. But I'm uh-huh. not going to lose sleep over it. Um, I'm, I'm happy enough with the friggin' tinier fake light bar on his chest. Well, I wasn't going to lose sleep over it until you brought it up. Now I'll never sleep again. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, I deserve that. Yeah, you did. Um... Yes. And I wasn't going to say it, but he totally did deserve that. I, yeah. He totally did. So this guy's coming out in October. So that's plenty of time uh, to, you know, if you want to save up for him or if you just want to wait it out or if you want to just forget about him until he suddenly comes out. Um, got till the fall uh, to see this guy uh, hit release. And he's getting a number. So that's pretty cool. I, I kind of wonder if, you know, if they got the tooling all done, maybe if they will do that limited run red one for Tokyo Toy Show. Uh, we'll see, but uh, that's not the oh oh what well, well, so I I just scrolled by the picture of it with Prowl. Um, was this was there another release of Prowl that I forgot about? Or... Oh yeah, they did a uh, cartoon colors one with blue windows. Okay, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why his legs are all blue in that one. Yeah, I think I remember. They're being talk about them doing the cartoon colored one and thinking, eh, the one I got's good. Um right. But I like the uh the gun that clips onto the to the wrist. Oh, I just yeah, I just scrolled down with the prowl picture news article and it, it is like a different gun than the normal little gun. Yeah. Uh he's got the little but one that it, goes in his leg and then the wrist one. Yeah, that I mean that harkens back to the original toy coming with that that option. Yeah. Like the gun options and the hand options. Yeah, I'm, which I'm, a lot of those early Autobots had. I'm way into that being on a, a modern masterpiece. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I just really like the Sunstreaker mold as well. I think it's one of the best masterpiece toys in a good long time. It's I think the capsule I have for it. It's everything good about MP36 Megatron without you know the baggage of also being a big expensive Megatron. You know, it's kind of downsized slightly, and it turns into a car. 
You um, think it's even as good as tracks? Uh, yes. Lofty heights, but yes. Wow. He's even up there with tracks. Uh, to be honest, the wow. Cordon release does kind of make me want to track down that black tracks with the toy face, a uh, loud pedal. Um, so, you know, I actually like Masterpiece tracks. So I, I, loud pedal was just like expensive enough that like, I didn't really want to bother because I had just gotten road rage on sale and I was like, I don't want to pay lots for this mold again, but tempting. Uh, more temptation comes in the form of a couple of re-released Masterpiece toys upcoming in new colors. Uh, two Masterpiece toys that were incredibly cartoon-centric, Shockwave and the aforementioned MP36 Megatron, uh, are going to be re-released in toy colors. Um, there, the Shockwave release already has a price up. He's, uh, about 196 American coming out in November. Um, I'm just double checking. I don't think we know a price or a release date on the Megatron, although I would say assume expensive. Um, Shockwave is, is kind of straightforward. It's really, they're just taking those very light purples and doing him instead in the deeper toy purple, uh, which is a great purple. And, uh, I think Masterpiece Shockwave is a pretty cool toy. Um, and uh, this this color suits him well. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go for him necessarily because I, I like the figure, but I also got the other one uh, on a slight sale before it went on a deeper sale everywhere. And I, I certainly don't understand necessarily why it went on that deeper sale because it's a aside from the the price, which sucks, which mostly comes on the back of the electronics. It's a it's a really solid masterpiece toy in my opinion. But uh, Seth, how are you feeling about deeper purple Shockwave? Well, I'm holding my lavender shockwave right now. Ah, brushing dust off of it. Um, yeah, I I agree. I really like this figure. I'm trying to reach over and put him back. Mm. Um, I re I really like the figure, and I do really like that dark purple because oh my gosh, I had the original Soundwave toy when I was a boy. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, uh, it looks really good in that dark purple, but I just I don't know if I need to buy it again just for a different shade of purple. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm trying to figure out if he has anything else new, but I believe he is just new colors. Um, yeah, the, at first I was thinking the head was different because like on the sides of the eye, mm -hmm. it, it's the black is more of a square, but that was the re reason I reached out and grabbed the one i have was to look closer at the head and just those side bits of dark purple that are like squaring off the black part mm -hmm. on the left and right those are there on on the uh original release it's just also painted black yeah so uh, I, I don't know if the final figure will have that blacked out or if it's just going to be square like that i, I don't know yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to modify your expensive toys, but also if they leave it square shaped and you don't like it, I'd say that's probably one of the easiest fixes someone could do. Oh yeah, you'd probably even do that with a sharpie if you don't want to invest in like a dollar of paint, and you go and instead invest in a, like two dollar sharpie. Uh, Otherwise, nothing really looks especially different, except for the giant gap down the seam on the gun hand. Yeah, yeah, that's, I'm I'm hoping that that's just like, you know, it's a test shot, and that thing didn't yeah. quite jam together right. 
Uh, I also really hope that they are not tampographing <laughs> that cartoon Decepticon symbol on the forearm. I hope it's still a sticker. Because uh, this is the one that I wouldn't necessarily want to see a tune symbol on by default. I mean, the, the choice yeah. would make sense. But being toy colors, I would really hope there's also just a straight up, like, you know, silver backed insignia uh, sticker. Yeah. You know? A bright metallic Decepticon sticker right on his chest. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I hope Where it belongs. Again, it's not hard to get silvery metallic Decepticon stickers in various sizes, but, you know, it'd be nice to pack that in. Um, and then after you stick it on, you just rub your thumb on it a bunch until it gets all faded, like an actual toy eventually did. Yeah, get that, uh, what's, what's it, get that, that fingerprint all mushed around in there, that thumbprint. Um, the other re-release coming out, both of these, I believe, are Takara Tomy Mall exclusives, by the way, is uh, Masterpiece oh, Megatron. so they're going to be extra expensive. Yep. <laughs> Another uh, reason to say I'm good. And they're going to be extra expensive. They're going to have just enough hype that they'll probably be readily available. And I'm not promoting this, but that also means, like, I wouldn't say it's impossible if you think you might still want this a year or two from now, that you might find it for a decent price if it doesn't sell out. So you're going to have to roll some dice for this, but... Uh, it might be doable. The other Toyetic recolor is Masterpiece Megatron, and he is... Uh, so, A, the the copious improved knockoffs of MP36 often include a toy chest and a toy face uh, that you can swap on, uh, which is part of me thinking that they someone had just stolen the CAD models. This is basically proof that that happened because the toy face and toy chest in these photos are literally the ones on the knockoff Megatron sitting on my desk right now. Um... The big thing that they've done here to make this Megatron stand out from the incredibly large pack of Megatrons there are now, if you include the knockoffs, is that he's uh, not just toy colors with, like, red bits, uh, you know, on the insides of his arms and legs and on his belly. It looks like all of his uh, lighter gray parts are straight-up silver, like silver-plated, um, possibly, I hope not vac metal-plated, but definitely, like, shiny-looking silver. Uh, I think this looks incredibly sharp. And if it's floating around and if its price doesn't go nuts, it's definitely something I might consider picking up like, you know, a year or two down the road because I like MP36 a lot. I like the two improved knockoffs a lot and uh, getting one that is basically shiny like the G1 toy with the red in all the right spots. I'm absolutely into. I already have a Shapeways printed trigger crotch and a Dr. Wu toy sword on uh, one of the two knockoffs, and I would happily swap them over uh, to this one. Like, he's even got the, uh, like, sticker details on him. Hopefully those are tampographed on if this is a Takara Tomy Mall exclusive. Um, I'm I'm way into this myself. I, my, my main hope is that it's not straight-up chrome all over him. You know, I'll deal if it is. But, uh, Seth, how are you feeling about this, uh, this Toyetic Megatron? Well, when you were saying that you think someone just ripped off the CAD models, do you mean they, the the knockoffers ripped it off from Takaratomi, or Takaratomi ripped off the knockoffers? Oh no, the knockoffers got like like basically the Megatron oh, okay. knockoffs that are out came out so quickly and are so well made, and have all these you know these these this toy face and toy chest that look so good too good i'm like and in the in the speed at which they came out i'm like the only way this makes sense is if someone stole the CAD models, uh, and I'm a hundred percent sure now that that's what happened. Uh, that's too bad. I would love it if the knockoffs like made these original parts, and then Takara Tomi was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll show you." Now the sh- now the shoes on the other foot. Ha <laughs> ha! What are you gonna do about it? Nothing. 
That would be great. That would be pretty funny. I would totally be more interested in getting this. If they backwards stole it. (laughs) Yeah. If they were like, you know what? We're sick of you knockoff companies stealing our stuff. Now we're going to steal your stuff. Oh, no. What you going to do? I'm going to say one thing. I'm just looking at the toy face I have for Megatron right now. And I'm looking at the one in the shots here. There is a chance that due to the angle, I'm getting just I'm getting a little bit double double guessing myself here. They look the same except for the cheeks. Except that I think that Takara Tomy are just painting the cheeks solid black, whereas on the knockoff, uh, they they only painted the tops of the cheek squares black, and it makes it look a little bit different. Um, no. But yeah, everything else looks looks so much alike that I'm I'm convinced now. Uh, also, and, and also, I'm 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 kind of happy that the Takaratomi one is going for, like way more silvery and with all the red bits because it means it looks nothing like either of my knockoffs, which both look nothing like the original MP36. So, like, I completely have a reason to get this fourth MP36 uh, sometime <laughs> next year, and I'm I'm cool with that. It's a really good toy. Gonna have an entire arsenal. That's right. Well, I, I never keep them in gun mode. That's the the most boring. It's the it's more I want to have this like conga line of Megatrons all arguing about who's the real one. That's all like yelling and shouting at each other. That's that's going to be a lot of work for Frank Walker. You know, he's a professional. He can he can deal. Yeah. Um as far as getting it, again, it's a case of it's it's not different enough to mm-hmm. justify like even just like regular full price, let alone like some special exclusive full price. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad they did it. It looks cool. I w- it again, like in both of these cases, it's like, you know, if I hadn't already gotten it, I'd be way more excited. I, I kind of got to say, I wonder if all of this, like, I guess I'm just going to call it chrome, you know, whatever it is, all the chroming on this guy. Uh, I wonder how if that was maybe something that wasn't necessarily in the cards until like because cause the knockoff Masterpiece Megatron, the two main ones are kind of built better than the original and they both cost about 90 US a piece. So, like, I wonder if doing all this extra bling is how you know a a a case is made for this even existing still uh and and being available for release cuz like the the one thing that would kill them is if they were like like basically those knockoffs murdered uh the second wave of MP36 as far as i can tell um mm-hmm. and no one can get rid of their MP36 now unless they take a huge loss because there are these improved versions out for half the cost of the original um so I gotta wonder if maybe the 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 blinging the the super toyetic blinging was a a in my opinion if it was very uh very solid decision to give this thing a little bit more of a a chance it certainly has for me jazz it up yeah um so that's uh, that's that's all the that's all the G one e masterpiece news but Seth we're not done with masterpiece news yet. Oh, I am. Nope, you're back in. You're uh, you're joining me here for some '90s because we have a reveal of the next masterpiece Beast Wars figure, and it is masterpiece Beast Wars Megatron from season one. Uh, he's got dino scaling sculpted right onto his body. Uh, someone did the scale thing. He's even bigger than MP Dinobot, which means that this MP Megatron is going to be bigger than MP10 by possibly an entire head. Um. 
I believe Piaw spotted that there is a f- normal robot fist inside the T-Rex tail holding onto it. Um, so you can, you know, probably remove that thing and just have a regular hand. Uh, I am stoked for this because the increased size, I'm already stoked for Dinobot because his increased size to me feels like it's going to solve some of the kind of like tiny parts moving everywhere problems I had with Cheetor. Uh, and I feel, I feel like Megatron's going to be like, like, like by nature of his transformation, probably as chunky as MP primal and also way bigger so that everything happening, like, you know, you can get a grip on it. You can move stuff. You're not going to have fiddly bits. I'm hype. I like Beast Wars Megatron a lot, I admit. I like Beast Wars a lot. I like David K a ton. Uh, so this is like a, a conglomeration of things that make me want to do a little backflip for this guy when he comes out, I'm assuming, in December or January. Um, I'm hyped. Uh, Seth, how are you feeling about Beast Wars Megatron here? Uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But again, like Beast Wars isn't my wheelhouse but I hope it's so good it inspires you to buy multiple knockoffs for in extremely negligible improvements. That's right. Well, I, I, here's my hope is that I don't have to, and I hope that <laughs> I hope it feels super solid. It, it's 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 so weird <laughs> how MP36's little problems are like you don't really think about them until someone's like, "What if we just quietly tweak literally everything?" Uh retool little parts everywhere on him <laughs> give him like a fourth engineering pass um that said like there's certainly knockoff color schemes i'd love to i'd love to have of this guy i'd love to have the toy colors i'd love to have a t-rex from beast machines that'd be cool um but we'll also see how dinobot turns out he's out in uh, in august i believe now we'll see if the hype continues but uh yeah friggin Masterpiece Beast Wars continues. Masterpiece G1 continues. Uh, they're still maintaining. Uh, the Masterpiece movie continues in its own numbering scheme. I wish Masterpiece movie had somehow slipped into the regular MP numbering as well. I think that's more of a case of how popular the movie toys are abroad than anything else. But there's a lot of Masterpiece going on, even if it's not all G1. And that's, uh, I think, very cool. It's a very exciting time. And... Uh, that, Seth, brings us to our listener question for the day. Cool. Uh, would you like to read this one? Cool. It's, uh, it's relevant um, to your sure. interests. Oh, my interests? Well, now I'm interested. Yeah. I didn't care until you said that. Correct. Uh, this is from Lankamus Prime. Mm-hmm. At SideGym004. Wasn't sure which name to use because it came via somewhere outside the boards. Facebook. I can't remember. <laughs> Friendster. MySpace. LinkedIn. Oh, don't send me ones there. I will not read them. I do not check my LinkedIn. I don't have a LinkedIn, but that doesn't stop people from sending me things saying, hey, come <laughs> to LinkedIn. That's half the reason I made one. I needed one for a job. But also, I was getting so much email from them anyway. I was like, you know what? I'll just make one. And you know what? It didn't change the volume of email I was getting. I still get just as many. No, I just yell at the people who do that to me. And you go, don't do that. I'll uh, grab you on my LinkedIn after the show. Dear holy members of the TFW podcast, I call upon you today for a request. 
My fellow associates and I have been brainstorming a Transformers D&D based upon the Hearts of Steel origin, where they Transformers we were already on Earth, but awaken in the medieval era where mystical creatures exist, e.g. Beholder, Unicorn, and I almost said Unicron just because it's Transformer stuff. It is Unicron. Oh, Beholder Unicron. Okay, I thought he just didn't have a uh, um commas. It's cuz it's cuz <laughs> the Beholder is uh what's it? It's a it's a little planet made of tentacles. Um No. I'm a Dungeons and Dragons expert. It has tentacles with eyeballs. It's, yes, it's basically what I was saying. It's not made out of tentacles. Okay, let me take an EG Beholder Unicron and Minotaur sideswipe. What can you come up with click so my knowledge of dungeons and dragons creatures is that there are dragons and uh-huh. there are uh there are kobolds because my dun- my D character blew a bunch of them up uh-huh and there are beholders because i always see them on the front of dungeons and dragons packaging yes because beholders are one of the few uh creatures in D that is original to D&D and thus copywritten by Wizards of the Coast. Oh. Uh are there a Where lot of those beholders or copywritten monsters? Copywritten monsters. No. Okay. Because most most of the, the monsters are either generic fantasy things like trolls. Mm-hmm. Trolls exist in mythology and fantasy or Stuff boosted from Tolkien, like orcs, um, which actually, if you look up the origins of orcs, it, it goes back to some myth- mythological stuff. But like when we think of orcs, like the this fantasy orc, that's more Tolkien than actual like Nordic uh, mythology. Yeah, orcs. there's there's a lot of stuff I think where technically it is drawn from a different source, but the version most of us think of is the yeah. Tolkien version. Yeah, like Tolkien sort of adapted the name, but then kind of came up with his own what it was. Uh, and then like D&D, Pathfinder, everything else that has orcs are drawing from the Tolkien orc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and then like they, they take from other like Greek mythology and, and all that stuff and Japanese mythology. There's a lot of like mythological Japanese creatures in D&D like the Kirin and ogre magis oh cool um, are there uh, are there fox things like kitsune spirit type this type stuff or uh I, I i'm not sure what the current state of monsters in fifth edition is mm. but i mean there was a whole uh book back in original AD&D days that was like this is all asian stuff it was called D&D oriental yeah there's a Magic um, the Gathering set that was all kind of Chinese in a way that, like, is cute, but I was reading up on the planes, because I was like, why is there, like, a whole, like, China-themed, I assume China-themed, and I looked, and there's also ninjutsu stuff in it, so I guess it's more, like, broad Eastern Asian-themed, but, like, I was like, where is all this coming from? They're like, oh, yeah, one of the planes is called, like, Kamigawa. It's an entire plane of existence full of pagodas, and I was like, ah... Yeah, I feel awkward looking at this. I feel very much like I'm in a room and people are looking at me. This is this is weird. Yeah. Um back way back in the day we played a short campaign with D D Oriental rules. 
and uh it was cool like because they they loaded up like all these uh japanese and chinese mythological monsters mm-hmm. and there were all these new classes like like samurai and ninja and and all these new weapon tables with asian style uh weapons and you had an honor score that would go up and down based on your actions um it, it was it was an interesting set of rules I'm sure if they ever tried to make that again, a new version of that, they wouldn't call it Oriental. No, they probably shouldn't. <laughs> I would I would wish to sit down and have words with someone if they did that. Just, you yeah. know, just words of, mostly along the lines of like, look, do you know what you're doing? Are you aware? Are you? <laughs> did they... Well, it would probably be like in the 90s when they had a, uh, a book that was like more Middle Eastern themed. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't call it like D and D Arabia or something like that. It like they just came up with a an a, a Middle Eastern sounding nonsense name. Yeah, I mean, that I don't remember. Kind of like kind of like Kamigawa. Yeah, just do something like that. Or like yeah, uh, Magic the Gathering also had like, like an Egypt plane called Amon Ket, and it's like it's like all right, like that's neat, and all that's there when I got here to Magic again. Then I look back, I'm like, oh. Like, people who were way into magic spent the last friggin', like, entire year with Egyptian-themed cards coming out. That must have... It seems like that would get boring after about a year. Um, But, okay, Seth. Yo. Give me another of the few, I guess, uh, Wizards of the Coast-owned D&D monsters. I'm... Oh, boy. I don't have a list. Like I just know Beholder is like the big one. Is there another? Do they um, do they own Kobolds? I feel like that's not something I hear mm, elsewhere. I don't think so. I think there's Pathfinder Kobolds. Nuts! I thought I was being clever. And I know they don't have Hobgoblins because that's Spider-Man villain. Uh, yeah, they don't have goblins, orcs, gnolls. I know there's gnolls in Pathfinder. Because I was thinking a good way to taper this question down would be to just think about the 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 owned the watsy owned stuff because uh, because really like this sort of crosses paths with the um the idea from some years ago of like just mythological alt modes for transformers um at which point i'm just like you know I, I'm, I'm just like give me like some kind of giant bug and give me some kind of um i don't know some kind of some kind of crocodile monster um oh umber hulk might be unique to D. what's an umber like, hulk it's like a giant bug monster oh my god i love this and pathfinder does have cobalts i found a stat block on them yeah i just realizing now i've heard the word cobalt outside of D. yeah it, actually magic had cobalts in the 90s what am i saying <laughs> Uh, and I think that was, that was so, TSR days. So it wasn't when they were under the same roof. Um, yeah, they've, yeah. If you Google image search Umber Hulk, you'll find a ton of pictures and they've uh, like with a lot of monsters, like the, uh, what they kind of look like has sort of changed over the years. Like they used to be, a um, bulkier. Uh, now they're a little more lanky insectish. I like the current, I like the ones, when I do the Google image search, a majority of them, like, I guess you could say lankier than the, like, really tank-like ones when I scroll down, but I like this current uh-huh. one, because he's got, he's got hunch, and he's got forearm bulk. I'm way into this. What if, 
Uh, we do the Constructicons merge into an Umber Hulk. I think I'd be down sure, for that. Like Umber Hulk <laughs> Devastator. Uh, that'd be a cool twist. Because everyone would be like, oh, bugs, I bet it's the Insecticons. It's like, no, fool. <laughs> fool? The, the Constructicons got actual good disguises. Y'all didn't think they were here. And then they just merge into an Umber Hulk. And you're like, oh, no. Uh, I guess before then, they're just all like, you know, little like weird truck-like bugs. Maybe a hooked horror. Yeah, I was about to say that. I wasn't about to say that. <laughs> um, man, this thing is cool. I like Umber Hulk. Why isn't there a toy of the Umber Hulk? There are unpainted miniatures. It's not what I not what I want. I want a posable figure. <laughs> I want a posable. If they just have like I'm assuming eight to twelve or like D and D creatures that are fully owned by them, I'm like, make me toys, fools. Like I want some. <laughs> I want a posable one of these. It wouldn't happen. It would be a Funko Pop. But still, hypotheticals are a good place. Um, Seth, is there any, any other, like, um, I'm just going to say mythological uh, alt modes that kind of pop to mind for you? I'm trying to think of some of the more benign characters. Um, well, Unicron as Beholder makes sense because it is round. Beholder's will mess your whole thing up yeah um beholders are not to be trifled with um uh, there's a great quote about beholders uh describing like their whole way of being is every beholder thinks that they are the epitome of all beholder kind ah, that's nice <laughs> and the only thing a beholder fears is that they might not be the epitome of all beholder kind it seems like the way to deal with a beholder then is to just get it to cross paths with another beholder. Oh, all like it describes that ninety percent of the time if two beholders cross paths, then it's time to fight. Yeah. Oh, because only one of them could be okay. And then beholders reproduce by dreaming. So if a beholder dreams of a beholder that isn't itself, then that beholder comes into existence. It all seems very thematically in line <laughs> with cosmic horror Unicron. Uh, type fiction as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of um, another... Doesn't he... I don't know about Sideswipe as a Minotaur, though, but whatever. Well, I mean, he's got... What is it? It's because he's got the, the the bull thing from the car company. Something. Yeah, but I think his Sideswipe is fast. Maybe it's a Centaur. Oh, Centaur would be cool. Centaur would be neat if it's like you're a bipedal robot and your alt mode is more that like... A whole bunch of your backpack bulk like folds down and your lower half transforms. Uh-huh. That'd be kinda that'd be that'd be super cool. Or if you were a car that transformed into a horseman. Yeah. That'd be uh, on a toy level, that would just be interesting, I think. Like the different ways that the uh the space is used. There's um in Brave, there was this team of three jets who just transformed like jets do, and they combined like three guys would into a robot. But then the way that they shook it up is they added a fourth member who could change the combination so the the, the four of them would combine into a centaur instead. Uh, and it's a super cool toy. Uh, now I can't remember the name of it. It just escaped me, but it's from... Um, that sounds familiar. It, it, it's, it's, it, it was floating around TFW back when all the Korean Brave knock... Or not knockoffs, the, the Sonicong releases were, were coming out. I'm pretty sure you have been witness to this toy at a botcon at some point. 
Um, but it's been a while. I need to go look him up. I, I'm he's he's one of the three series that I always mix up. Like all their cast members, I kind of just mush together in my head. Uh, Dugarn. He's from Dugarn. Uh, but I can't remember his actual name. I'll look it up later. Um, um, well, Ravage could be a displacer beast. What's a displace? Is that I know what a displacer beast is. It's it, okay. Imagine a black panther. Yeah. With six legs instead of four. Yeah. And two big ass tentacles coming off its shoulders. I'd be down for a Ravage of the displacer beast. Displacer beasts are one of my favorite D and D monsters because they're like light bends around them. So they're super hard to hit because you can't tell exactly where they are. Yeah. It's like they're always kind of like shifted and blurred. That seems very Ravage relevant to me, too. Yeah. And then somebody should probably turn into a gelatinous cube. I want to say sound. But I don't know who would possibly do that. Just Let's, let's do the obvious. Soundwave, you know? Okay. It's efficient. And then the cassettes po- are like floating around in the cube yep. until they're ejected. Yeah, there's just like a, there's just a displacer beast kind of like bobbing around in there and then it just like goes just fires out um every time i try to think of more fantasy monsters i'm more thinking of fantasy mechanisms than monsters like it would be kind of cool if there was a transformer like instead of a city bot you had a transformer who turned into like a like a clockwork labyrinth you know like a maze but like parts of it move and there's like traps and stuff but it, it also is just a giant robot i think that'd be cool like if you had if you had like a Metroplex and then like when he's a robot his forearms are like two big pieces of armor that have labyrinths just on them, uh, I think that'd be a really cool look. Uh, oh, by the way, that reminds me, I wanted to give shouts out to uh, the two folks. I believe Rekgar and Jason Ho, who both came up with designs for uh, from the last episode Seth and I were on, where we were talking about if all the minibots could combine. Um, and uh, Rekgar posted in the thread, and Jason Ho posted on Twitter, and that stuff made my day. Brian Kenny as well. So I just wanted to give you a quick shout-out on here. Like, that stuff was friggin' cool. And uh, I wish that there were toys of, <laughs> that did the same thing. Um, it's, it's always really uh, humbling and delightful when we say something and then maybe mention, it'd be cool if someone drew that and then someone does. So, uh, so thank you. Okay, I think I found a list of copywritten D&D monsters. All right. Um, Beholder. Mm-hmm. Some of these are going to be hard to pronounce. I'm not sure how to pronounce <laughs> them. And I'm not familiar with this one either. Gauth. G-A-U-T-H. Gauth. I'm going to search Google Gauth. for that. Oh, it's kind of a spinoff of Beholders. Okay. Like they're Beholder-ish. Um, is it like a beholder like a with horns? Is that version. what I'm thinking of? Um, I always wonder if my memory's right. No. All right. They they just look like a cruddy version of the beholder, <laughs> like the the dollar store version of beholder. That's why their name sounds uh, like a noise I make when I'm feeling sick. Yeah, carrion crawler. I know that name. Yeah, it's just like a big like centipede. Oh. Actually, it doesn't look as much like a centipede as they used to, like old school carrying crawlers and more like big ass centipedes. Still, if it's a creepy crawly looking thing, I would immediately say like yeah. that's our insecticons, and they're very large. Yeah, um, yeah, they're really gross. Um, Displacer beast, 
Hell yeah. Um, well, these could be your Rumble and Frenzy because they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gith Yankee and Gith Zara. Um, they're like leg. these. The well, they're kind of weird looking dudes. Um, they're from the astral plane. Uh, they're like two versions of the same species. Um, just one is more like um, warriors, and the other is more like wizards. Oh, that totally um, works. And they kind of hate each other. Uh, that totally but works. They come together to hunt mind flayers. Like, okay, so they back in the day when the mind flayers kind of ruled the entire multiverse. Um, the Gith, like both versions of the Gith, um, were a slave race. And they eventually overthrew the Mind Flayers, and now they still hunt the multiverse in an attempt to completely eradicate them. All right. And they don't care who gets hurt along the way. I'm guessing Mind um, Flayers are another one? Uh, well, we're working our way through the list. Right, There's right. Koa Tau, or Koa Ta, Tau, Koa Tau. They're these gross fish men. They're, they're, they kind of Oh, suck. that's got to suit somebody. <laughs> Who's going to be a gross fish man? I feel like... Okay, this is weird. I feel like that's tracks. Uh, well, these are very evil creatures. I know, but I don't know why. I'm just thinking like a a good guy who's real vain. Like it'd be almost like that's the plot point. Is his his scan alt <laughs> mode is like these evil like weird fish men. Oh, I could spell it for you if you want to look at a picture of them. Because I I don't see tracks in these things. It's K U O dash T O A. All right. And like the first image where it's kind of purplish and it's making two little fists. I, 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 and I just wish it was giving the thumbs up. Also. Oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> you look so happy. No, I want to see. It's like one of these. And then like it unfolds into this tall, handsome robot. And, he, and like his face comes out of the mouth. And he's just like, why is this? Why did I scan this? And he can't unscan it because, you know, damage from the crash. Yeah, this thing's stumpy and kind of kind of puffy enough. I want this to be Trax's alt mode. Uh, yes, but Mind Flayer is on the list. Ah. Or Illithid, whichever name you want to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were originally called like Mind Eaters or Mind Devourers back in like original AD&D. Um, that, that might be a good sound wave-ish kind of monster too. I'm not sure. Slad. What'd you call me? Slad. I am not. That's a copywritten monster. Uh, they're another like interplanial creature. Um, they're bad news. They're gross assholes. Um, Umber Hulk, which we discussed, and the Yantai, which are like snake people. Snake people like they feels used like to something. be Pete. Yeah, like they used to be humans, but they like worship some snake god or something, and they're in various stages of being part person, part snake. So maybe they have a snake head and a human body, or maybe they have snakes for arms. Oh, you know what? That could be uh, Starscream. Oh, there you go. Like back in his old, his his way old, never one of those never used bits of his original bio was him being called like the snake or something. Uh, it could be all the seekers, and they're all like different combinations of snake and person shaped. Yeah. Also, I'm looking at the mind flare, and I was trying to remember this. I was about to ask. I was like, "Aren't there Cthulhu monsters?" 
in D&D. And yes, this would be a perfect sound wave. Well, back in the oldie days, there literally was Cthulhu monsters. Yeah. Uh, because it was public domain, except for in the case of games, because there was a company that held the rights to make Lovecraftian games. And then I forget if they were taken out of subsequent printings of the fiend folio or if they were just renamed i feel like i read up on this one day in the 2000s uh-huh. and now i can't remember any of it I'm, I'm imagining if Soundwave turned into a mind flare it'd be like it'd be like a mind flare and then like the the head kind of rolls back and the tentacles split open and then like Soundwave's robot head kind of just kind of pushes forward out of the mush uh-huh. so he's got like tentacles on all sides of his face like i'd be down with that or oh, you know, let instead of Soundwave because he's already a gelatinous cube, um, Shockwave as a mind flyer maybe that'd work too. Same transformation idea. I just want to see the yeah yeah the tentacles like <laughs> pushing open and there's a thing inside. I feel like we hit some bases here, and I feel like I learned a few things, or at least relearned a few things. So uh, thank you very much for the question, uh, Lankamus Prime. Um, hope that your D&D game is going well, and hopefully uh, no one got super mad and, like, ripped up their character sheet or anything. Uh, because that would be a shame. Uh, Seth. Hey. It's time. It's time for what we got this... Why What we got this week? Uh, Seth, did you find any new Transformers this week? I didn't. All right. Uh, I got news for you, sir. What? What's the news? I didn't that find any new Target's ones. Going to restock eventually? Nope. Maybe I will find something. Nope. I didn't find any new ones either. And Target is dead in Canada, so I got no news on that. Uh, yeah, you know what's not dead in Canada? What? Toys R Us. Yeah, it's a fine Canadian brand. What's up? <laughs> I was shopping for some stuff. I mean, I, I feel like I talked about it all though, because it was all the Studio Series stuff, and that that kind of like exhausted my reserves for a little while. Um, and there's nothing else really new out. Uh, I, I have not seen wave two power of the primes that often it came and went very fast. It will probably uh, reappear in a grand dump come the summer uh, with the summer restock. So I'm kind of in a holding pattern right now. Um, it's no new masterpiece toys coming out. No third party toys have really been uh, tickling me enough to go pick them up. There's some new Iron Factory stuff coming out that I might look into uh, locally. But yeah, um, that kind of taps us out for... Whoa, didn't mean to do that. I've been watching too many YouTube videos, but we are kind of out of Transformers talk for now. So we're just going to do a little bit of quick uh, off-topic chicanery. And hopefully, if you stick around, you enjoy yourself, because we got a few topics to touch on in here, I'm sure. Uh, Seth, Mm -hmm. I'll start off with you. Have you got a topic to touch on? I got one a new marvel figure Ooh. uh one of the very few cases of a comic book style figure that i'm actually like hyped to get yay uh because i'm more focused on the movie stuff so i'm not getting any of the rest of the wave i just got this guy mm-hmm. and that is deathlock i was i was so tempted to pick him up i know if i wait i might get him on sale but deathlock is high on my list 
stuff must go on sale stale must go on sale more often in canada than it does around here because i never see anything good on sale oh i don't ever see ever it. i never see it in person on sale it's more that like amazon oh, every online. now and then will yeah oh, i don't troll amazon enough for these things yeah well, how's Deathlock? Because uh, I mean, I kind of want him, so hopefully he doesn't it's, suck. It's uh, pretty, pretty good. All right. It's pretty good. Um, totally not a rip off of Eddie T from the Iron Maiden album covers. Nope. Um, <laughs> Never even heard of him. Uh, yeah, but it's good. Like the little hose that goes from his chest to his back is good, and not like some crummy thing that I'm worried about is going to break at any instant or fall out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. He comes with a pistol that goes in a holster and like a giant Gatling gun with an attached underslung missile launcher. Um, that's pretty fun and goofy. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, good sculpt, good paint apps. That's a great old design. That Deadpool wave has a couple things that were tempting me now that I'm thinking about it. I think it was mostly Deathlock, but it was also the, the like, Liefeld Deadpool. The, like, really 90s-looking one. Uh, I didn't really look at it too much. Because there's, like... Like, the Domino looks okay in there, but I just, you know... Yeah, I, just, I don't care enough, like... I, uh, I just I just need to pick and choose my 90s nostalgia. And, like, there's... Because there's, like, an X-Force Deadpool who's very current Deadpool... Um, uh-huh. And then there's like a a red and black Deadpool who to me looks a lot more like 90s. I'm actually supposed to be cool Deadpool. Was that your only uh, toy thing you did this week? Uh, then just uh, the stuff my girlfriend got me for my birthday. I saw a picture uh, of a lot of paint. Yes, a lot of paint. <laughs> um, a little jealous. So she got me she got me three things, uh, which were all in identical uh, Amazon gift bags. And were almost all exactly the exact same shape and size. <laughs> nice. So I was like, I have no idea what any of this could be. Now, I had mentioned the paint thing a couple weeks ago. so And I don't know what size the box was that the paint comes in. I just knew it existed. I had never seen this set before, like in person. Um, so I was like, man, I hope. And that at the time, that was the only one of these gifts I saw. Like it was in the closet. Um and it was just there was it hidden at all it was just there in the closet so and i didn't mess with it like i was a good boy i didn't like pick up my gifts and shake it and try to figure it out but i was like boy that would be cool if that was that paint set oh boy and then like on the day yesterday when the two other packages appeared uh two other gifts appeared in identical bags all looking the exact same size i was like i have no idea what's going on now (laughs) I have no idea what these three seemingly identical things were. So she had stacked them in the order that I was to open them. And the first one was um, the Pathfinder tokens NPC set, which are um, uh, just this huge box. Well, not a huge box. It's a large box of cardboard sheets that have... um, pathfinder characters printed on them which in 95 percent of the cases are all also perfectly usable uh, for dungeons and dragons but it's a really price effective way to get a lot of miniatures because they're just flat cardboard on a plastic base Mm -hmm. 
So the the box has something like 140 of these cardboard miniatures in it. Um, so it's just, you know, it's a flat piece of cardboard with the front and back printed second on plastic base. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, this is cool. Like, this is, the, this will come in handy at some point. Like, I'll want something on the table that no one has a miniature for. Bam, here we go. Cardboard, flat cardboard version. Got the job done. Also, it's really easy to store that many <laughs> flat cardboard punch outs um, instead of that many miniatures, which are three dimensional and breakable. Yeah. Um, so then she goes, okay, open up the next one. And I open up the next one. And it's the Pathfinder Tokens monster box set. So now it's all the monsters. So I have all, all the NPCs and all the monsters. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I'm thinking, like, these are great. I love that I got these. Boy, oh boy, I hope the third one is something different. <laughs> um, which she took as me not liking the the uh, cardboard tokens. And I'm like, no, of course I like them. But it's like, you know. <laughs> In the moment. Um, yeah. Birthday boy would like more birthday things. <laughs> and Cry if like I even, yeah, and even trying to describe it, it does sound like dickish for <laughs> me to have <laughs> even implied it. And I know I don't sound cool um, saying that, but you know. Um, so then I pick up the third one, and it felt different. Like it was clearly something else. Like it, it was a very similar shape and size, but it was clearly something else. And it was um, this huge box set that Army Painter puts out, which I think is all of their colors. I think it's a bottle of their entire range. I'm pretty sure that's what it is because I've seen it at uh, I believe I saw it at Meeple Mart downtown here, uh, and it was uh, astonishing to look at. And I was like, yeah, yeah, if I had dumb money and I just was like, you know what? I'm tired of every couple of weeks going out to buy another color that I'd seem to be missing. Just be like, nah, I'm going to get me one of these. <laughs> yeah. Well, currently I only have one shade of blue and I had just been verbalizing a couple of weeks earlier. Like, man, I wish when we were at that giant game store in Berkeley, I got a couple other blues just to mix it up a little bit. Um. Now I'm good to go on blues. <laughs> you, got, you have the color blue now. Finally. Yeah, I got all the blues. <laughs> um, um, and now I have a bunch of backups of other colors because I have already purchased a bunch of Army Painter uh, paints. But, you know, eventually you're going to run out of black and white before everything else. Yeah, just, so just don't. it is always good to have more around. Don't prematurely crack the seal on any of them. And I believe oh, that means no. that they will last until you need them. Yeah, no, I'm going to eventually I'm going to go through it um, maybe over the weekend and pull out all the ones I already have open and like put them in a separate container or something. And then it's like, OK, now I've separated out the doubles so they are ready to go when they are needed. Um, and I really like the bottles that Army Painter uses. Vallejo uses a similar bottle and um, Privateer Presses paints use a very similar bottle, if not the exact same bottle, mm-hmm. um, where it's a squeeze bottle. Yep. Um, so you have a palette, you squeeze out a couple of drops, that's probably enough, and then you are good to go. I have no more patience for non-squeeze bottles. I have So Privateer Press uses squeeze bottles for their inks. 
but they still use pots for their regular paint. Oh, and yeah, that's right. Bums me out because I'm like, you guys <laughs> have the squeeze bottles at whatever factory you're using. Because I at at um, Capital City Comic Con, I learned, and you know, who knows how how correct this is, but I mean, I tried them and they worked. I learned from uh, one of the shop guys there that like Vallejo's paints they constantly especially the mecha color ones they're like oh yeah these are airbrush oriented they're thin for airbrush and i was like so Uh can i paint with brushes with these and the guy running his little booth literally just opened one and painted a streak across a piece of card with it and was like it works i don't under he was basically saying i don't understand why they go out of their way to dissuade non-airbrush people from buying their paint so i bought a bunch of mecha color and yeah it's all in dropper bottles and it's it's beautiful i'm not having to like, I'm not borderline having to sacrifice paint and partly a brush just to get paint from the pot onto the palette. Like, I just can drop it down. It's, I can measure by drops. It's beautiful. Um, I think that other companies that don't do that, like, if unless they have a, a real solid reason, it seems foolish not to do it that way. Um, well, and it's also silly to dissuade people from using a brush because they cut a deal with WizKids where they're... Uh, it's like Nizul's the whatever yeah. is their line of pre pre-primered unpainted D and D miniatures, and then the the Pathfinder theme ones have a different name. That's I mean, but they're all pre-primed with Vallejo primer, and it says right on the package, pre-primed with Vallejo primer. And if you don't know about airbrushing or whatever, you're just getting into it. Yeah, you might you're probably going to look at that package and then think like oh okay well i'll get vallejo paints then i mean i'm sure that they don't do it with all their paints but like the mecha colors are so perfect for you know robot kits Uh, and i'm sure that the idea was like oh lots of gunpla people use airbrushes so we'll make it pre-thinned for airbrushes but it's like that doesn't like they, they they use language that makes it sound like oh but you can't really brush it on and it's like dude no it's pre thin for airbrush it means I don't have to thin it that much off the palette yeah. it, it dry brushes beautifully uh, so yeah that's that's my little paint rant uh, dropper dropper yeah. bottles are beautiful um, is what I was trying to say yeah and I've been enjoying using army painter they seem um, like I don't know how they match up to Vallejo's because I've, I've never used Vallejo at all, but they seem in general, like out of the, out of the bottle, a little thinner than, um, a Citadel, which I have the most experience with, mm-hmm. um, which I think is good because sometimes I found Citadel paints to be a little gloppy. Yeah, I, I would um, agree. Especially they're white. And, and Cit- Citadel's <coughs> use of paint pots bugs me because it's like, borderline confirmed part of the idea is their paint their their paint pots if you don't use them fast enough will dry your paint out so you have to buy a new one yep and it's like that's just a really dumb reason to use bad hardware with your paint <laughs> and there's there's tutorials Yo. all over the place people going like here's me transferring my citadel color to dropper bottles i bought and i'm like this is stupid that the user is doing this this is <laughs> stupid that the user end has that there are there have to be tutorial videos explaining that this is even possible when you could just sell it in the dropper bottles i don't know yeah when i was starting to like edge into getting back into all this stuff like i knew i was eventually gonna end up having to paint miniatures and i remember thinking like well i know what the what i'm gonna get with citadel i've used citadel a ton um not that citadel is bad or anything but like you mentioned i i remember 
uh, multiple times having to buy a new white because the white was already kind of thick and goopy and then now it's dried out after a couple of times after a few weeks yeah like they don't um, they don't make bad paint you know by any major means like they they have some of their like their technicals are excellent their inks are great um you know their paint has its ups and downs as any other paint will like that to to be honest i've very much bought into the idea of like just use whatever you want it all does the same thing you know like yeah yeah so i went looking around to see what other paints were uh, available in these days and like i came across vallejo and i came across all the stuff like it's for airbrushes and i'm like well i don't know how to do that and then i just found a uh uh an army painter starter set on amazon for 20 ish bucks mm-hmm. uh, for like a bunch of colors like all, like all the basic colors you need to get started and a brush and i was like okay well i'll try that out because this is a fair price and i like the look of these dropper bottle things and then i got it and i'm like yeah the, this stuff's all right like this is going to be my paint now i'm army painter guy yeah yeah there's like there's no like if you if you want to touch on vallejo it's also quite solid uh like privateer presses paints i love their paints actually they're still i think my favorite paint but I hate the pots and I don't want to go through the work of transferring <laughs> stuff to dropper bottles. So it's kind of like, it, you know, my experience is a little bit dashed by the, the pots interaction. Um, but yeah, like there's I've seen yeah. enough videos to get that, like, you know, the only reason anyone is really going to be paint loyal is just like it's easier to remember what colors you bought, you know. Uh, yeah. And like one company's paint probably plays best with the same company's paint um like they probably mix it the same way therefore it would be easier to to cross-pollinate but yeah um well they're a little sneaky over there at the army painter uh oh because they have some colors that allude to uh some space marine chapters oh no like they have an they have an angel green and like an ultra blue yeah i've seen those (laughs) vallejo kind of does the same so vallejo the because I asked some, I, and I looked it up. I'm like, why is there? There's the Vallejo Mecha color range. There's the game color range. There's the mini range, and it literally just is like they name the colors more close to a thing you might know in all those different ranges. Oh, and then in like the Mecha color range, they focused on a lot of metallics and cold palette stuff, and basically Gundam colors, um, without calling it Gundam paints. Um, but yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I've been using a uh, a homemade, air quote, homemade wet palette. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you just squirt a couple drops in there. It is a moist surface that you've squirted on. You just sort of, like, swirl it around, like, on the edge. So, like, you got your little blob of paint. You kind of just swirl your brush around the edge, kind of onto a blank chunk of the the palette surface, which is damp, and now your paint's thinned out and you're ready to go. Yeah. I mean, like, a good wet palette, if you can get uh, a setup where it even has a cover on it, you can, like, put your paint in the fridge and, like, yeah. you know, let it last well, for a day. My, air quote, homemade one is a, uh, like, you know those sandwich, like, specifically sandwich-sized Tupperware boxes? Yeah. Yeah, so it's that. Oh, sweet, yeah. You- and a folded-up paper towel, and then you get that all wet, and then you throw in a square of parchment paper, 
and you're done. Yeah, like it, it won't last like weeks, but as far as I understand, you could put the lid on that yeah, you thing. You get and, a day or two out of it. Yeah, you can like pop it in the fridge or something if you want to just keep it for the next day, you know? Like, yeah. Um, well, I tried to use just a couple of drops at a time. So even if I don't, like, I'm not out very much paint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you combine that with then stretching those couple drops over two days, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, I guess it's like screw you, Citadel Games Workshop. I don't <laughs> <laughs> make your paint last forever. Yeah, I, I was watching this painting video from this other guy. I, I forget his YouTube handle, but man, this guy is a hell of a good painter, and uh, he has some inter- interesting videos. Um, and in one of them, he's addressing like some some stuff that everybody says it's like this is what these are things people say are they valid should you do them or not and like one of them is always thin your paints and he goes yeah most of the time but there are times where you don't want to thin your paint and then here's examples and then uh and one of them was um um mixing your paints and he's like, some people think you always should mix all of your paints and never use a color directly out of the pot. Um, he goes, it's like, so you're not, so it's not identifiable what you used is the idea and your paint job will be more unique. Uh, he goes, but I wouldn't worry about it. He goes, I use color straight from the pots all the time. It's also like... <laughs> If you do a really good paint job and it's super unique, no one's going to go like, ah, but also that's chaos. I can tell you use chaos black uh, for yeah. your undercoat there. It's, and it's like, all right. And <laughs> like, that's a weird, that's a weird hang up. Yeah. Um, but Seth, grats on the, on the, the paint mountain. Um, hope that uh, it gets some good use. Yeah. I'm, I'm painting a miniature for our DM right now. Cause he asked, and I was like, well, I'll show you some stuff about painting. Like he, he's taken a run at painting a few times and, and he's, he's got the basic basics down. Yeah. Um, but you know, like anyone who's just starting and hasn't really looked into it and is just figuring it out. Um, like he doesn't, like he doesn't even know about dry brushing let alone washes oh but he would love dry brush. <laughs> i don't even know him but anyone who has given up on yeah. painting would love dry brushing because it makes you feel like like you're yeah. good like well he hasn't given up he just has a miniature that he really wants to look really cool yeah and i'm like dude like you could come over sometime and we'll sit down and i'll teach you how to do some of these techniques and he goes well uh, maybe later but would you mind just painting this one <laughs> like, yeah, i'll paint it fine um man it's a pain in the ass like the the sculpt on the thing there's there's some spaces on it that are super hard to read with the brushes just because of how things are shaped it's crazy yeah it's crazy it's got this crazy cape and its arms are going all over the place this crazy wizard too Um, much stuff yeah seth i went and saw some wrestling i caught uh the ring of honor new japan event and uh i won't go like super deep dive into it but once again wrestling is way more fun in person than on on a little video screen um and uh i i had i had my two big mark out moments when jushin liger came out second time i've seen jushin liger in person and i just turned into a 10 year old when he comes out 
Uh, he's like in his fifties now, but like his theme song hits. It's an anime theme song. He looks like a superhero. And then my my other big moment was the main event. Um, had uh, Takahashi came out with uh, with with oh, evil oh. and and someone else I forgot who now. But Takahashi's the guy with the cat uh, with with the El Hijo de Daryl, um, which is a little plush cat in a luchador mask. And I wasn't aware that I was a Daryl Mark until this match happened. And uh, the uh, the the big surprise because uh, there's a there's a guy who's going to be in this was a trios tag like three on three, and Dalton Castle was going to be in it, but he was. Uh, legitimately injured and had to sit out the show. So they were like, we're going to have like a surprise guest fill in his spot. So it was this guy called Colt Cabana who has a podcast. He goes in the ring and finally gets tagged in. He's facing Takahashi. And then he just goes like, I don't want him, points at Takahashi. He turns around and points literally in my direction at the the bell and goes, I want him, and points at Daryl the plush cat. Uh, So Takahashi goes out, confers with Daryl. And puts him in the ring, and then and, and then uh, Colt Cabana's like, "All right, everyone else out." It's me and Daryl. So this little plush cat sitting in the middle of the ring. Colt Cabana is like, looks like he's trying to find a way through Daryl's defenses for a couple seconds, but then the vibrations of him doing that makes the Daryl plush cat just sort of fall over on its face. And so then everyone runs back into the ring, and the ref's like, he goes like, "Go oh, check him, check him," and the ref goes to check him, uh, and then and then Colt Cabana picks up Daryl and then threatens to elbow him. Uh, and that's where I just completely got it because I was like, this is everything I love about this whole idea is this this kind of stuff. So I just started yelling at him along with the rest of the crowd like, don't do it. You know, he's like threatening to elbow this plush cat in the head and we're all acting like he's going to shoot a baby or something. Um, and it's like, it was really fun. He throws the cat into the air. Takahashi, who was like on his knees, like, don't hurt Daryl, goes to catch the cat, then goes to lariat Colt Cabana with the cat's arm. But in doing so, the little luchador mask fell off the cat. And then everyone froze, and then Colt Cabana, like, quickly picks up the mask and holds it up like he just tore it off, and then the, the ref is like, hey, that's disqualifiable offense, give me that mask back. Uh, and then they, like, he, he pushes the mask over Daryl's face as though Daryl was an actual luchador whose mask just fell off. Uh, hands it over to the ring bell girl who, like, runs back to the table to put the mask back on. As she's doing it, Takahashi jumps up onto the ring post and goes like, thank you! And then, like, they just get back to the match. Um... It was a lot of fun. I wanted to share those two little stories. That sounds like the sort of match that Jim Cornette would throw a fit about on his podcast. So <laughs> I was walking back with my buddy and his two friends who always come over from Alberta to see these. And the first thing they were all saying, this is my buddy, Brandon. He was basically like, you know what? I love good old Jimmy, Jimmy Cornette. But also, I, I he needs, that's the kind of thing that he would be yelling about on his podcast, literally what he said. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Jim Cornette's like, is a very smart, very, very funny dude who is like the, mo- the, the biggest stick in the mud the moment you advance beyond the 1990s. <laughs> Just this oh, angry, angry old man out of nowhere. Advance beyond like 1982. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as you get out of the old territory days, um, Cornette don't want none of it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's my wrestling stories. That went on for a bit, but it was really fun. I had I had a good time, and that I think brings us to the end of the podcast. So, Seth, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, here's a tech thing for you all. This is weird. Uh, so on Discord, Seth, I can still hear you. It's fine. Okay. However, our connection's gotten slightly weird, which means your voice has been slightly the the packets are coming over slightly slowly so your voice has gone down like 50 decibels in the last like 10 minutes 
Uh-oh. Uh, you you sound a whole lot like a scary pro wrestler, basically. Like you have you have a very unnaturally <laughs> deep voice right now on my end, brother. Oh God, <laughs> that sounded like if the inside of Hulk Hogan's throat had an inside of its throat that just said brother. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back with some more podcasting, probably another big dose of listener questions. If there's no more, like, the masterpiece news kind of kind of took us aside for this episode. But um, barring anything else, we'll probably hit some more of those. If not, we'll hit whatever the news is. And uh, either way, thank you for staying tuned. Uh, we'll talk to you again, and please stay safe.